When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That chilling, or is it sobering, quote, comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And today we will learn more about the man, and more importantly, what he believes and why we must listen. Hi, my name is Terence, and I'm your host for Reading and Readers, a podcast where I review Christian books for you. Today I review Bonhoeffer Speaks Today, Following Jesus at All Costs by Mark Devin, 192 pages published by BH Books in November 2005. It's available in Amazon Kindle for $7.99 and through Faith Life for free. Only free in June, so you do have only a few more days left for this deal. Mark Devine is a professor at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. He has taught at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City and also served as a missionary in Bangkok, Thailand. So that's the profile which we can find in um, Amazon. In four words, who is Bonhoeffer? Well, Bonhoeffer is a pastor, martyr, prophet, spy. That actually is the title from Eric McTaxer's biography on Bonhoeffer. I'll share more about how McTaxer's book compares to Davine's later in this review, but for now those four words aptly describe the man, famously uh, known as the one, the pastor who was in a plot to assassinate Hitler. So Bonhoeffer is a man who really should be more famous than James Bond. Now, hopefully that whets your appetite to know more about him. And you can read all about his uh, life in chapter 1 of uh, Devine's book, from his early childhood years to his untimely execution, ordered by Hitler a few weeks before World War II ended. So just before Hitler, he well, he knew he was going to lose, he was going to die, and he was... Um, he wanted to take Bonhoeffer out with him. So that's chapter one of the book. Then there are four other chapters. Chapter two is knowing and doing the will of God. Chapter three is the community of believers. Chapter four, witness and relevance. And chapter five is on freedom, suffering and hope. The question this book answers is not who is Bonhoeffer. There are many good biographies around, and the standard in the field is Eberhard Bethges, I hope I pronounced that correctly, who was Bonhoeffer's close friend, fellow conspirator, and husband to Bonhoeffer's niece. So the book does not answer who is Bonhoeffer, rather the book answers the question, what does Bonhoeffer believe, and how does it, why does it matter for us today? So this is primarily not a narrative, the narrative is only in chapter 1, and that only serves as the explanation and testimony for Bonhoeffer's belief. A belief which Devine analyzes and calls the church, that's you and me, to listen in the remaining chapters. Now Bonhoeffer is uh, famous for this particular quote, which is, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. End quote. Cheap grace. Uh, 
When someone says Christianity is so very easy, you don't have to do anything. I mean, it's all free, isn't it? So there's no sweat, there's no trials. It's just a smooth sailing all the way to heaven. Now, when you hear that, you should think cheap grace. That's the word, the phrase that Bonhoeffer coined. And Bonhoeffer says that there is a cost to discipleship. And that is the title of Bonhoeffer's book, where that quote was found. The cost of discipleship. And Devine quotes this uh, in uh, chapter 3, The Community of Believers. In that chapter, Devine also quotes from Bonhoeffer's booklet, Creation and Fall. So let me just read a bit of uh, Bonhoeffer's words so that you get an idea of why Uh, This guy is someone that we should all pay attention to. Let me quote. In man, God creates his image on earth. This means that man is like the creator in that he is free. Actually, he is free only by God's creation, by means of the word of God. He is free for the worship of the creator. In the language of the Bible, freedom is not something man has for himself, but something he has for others. No man is free as such, that is, in a vacuum, in the way that he may be musical, intelligent, or blind as such. Freedom is not a quality of man, nor is it an ability, a capacity, a kind of being that somehow flares up in him. Freedom is not a quality which can be revealed. It is not a possession, a presence, an object, nor is it a form of existence, but a relationship and nothing else. Being free means being free for the other. End quote. So those are very powerful words. And... uh, those words can actually make one uh, rethink what one thinks about, in this case, freedom. So I've not, I want to just uh, confess over here that I've not read Cost of Discipleship. I have not read Creation and Fall. Um, but I know enough of Bonhoeffer such that when Bonhoeffer speaks, when Bonhoeffer writes, I should listen. And if whenever possible, read. So that's why I look forward to reading today's book. Now, Davine does not merely cut and paste the best bits from Bonhoeffer's writings. This is not a book of quotations. There is a significant level of analysis of integration. Consider this uh, just as a taster of what to expect in the book. We know as Christians that uh, the sixth commandment is thou shalt not murder. Now, as I said before, a pastor and theologian Bonhoeffer was in a plot to assassinate Hitler. Now, many people, some people, have sought to cover Bonhoeffer by minimizing his involvement in the plot, saying that, well, he was not that involved, the others were more into the execution. (laughs) Uh, No pun intended. Um... The thing is that uh, trying to cover for Bonhoeffer might have worked if not for the fact that Bonhoeffer's own words uh, somewhat incriminate him. Uh, Devine writes, I quote, When Bonhoeffer speaks of having a clear conscience about his participation in the conspiracy to assassinate Hitler, he means something akin to the abandonment of self-justification in the matter. 
He means that he offers his decision to God for judgment. He means that he could no longer maintain a good conscience by attempting to keep his own hands clean while praying for the success of military and circular attempts to stop Hitler. End quote. Now this is explosive stuff. Because it would be nice if the world was just black and white and we just say that thou shalt not lie and we never lie. But what happens when Hitler asks you to um, betray your church members? Do you lie? That, I mean, where? how do we even think about all these things? So in this case, Bonhoeffer, pastor, theologian, he is part of a conspiracy. And... Um, he takes it seriously, you see. Some of us, we may say that, well, the end justifies the means. These are special circumstances. Bonhoeffer is one that lives only to follow the will of God. And he is willing to die in order to obey God. And that would actually, to him, include pacifism. He has written many things on pacifism, preached many things on pacifism, which is also why um, this, this part of his life is very contradictory and he explores these things in his writings and we can see some of it in what Devine writes in this book so what does following Christ and resisting Hitler mean how how do you resist how do you stop what you can see is a wicked and evil uh, government and the reason why is that this is dangerous is this Bonhoeffer's action sanctioned violence uh, as a means of solving problems, of a means of stopping maybe terrible things that the government is doing. So, um, so there is a lot of room for thought and, uh, and it's worth um, following through what uh, Bonhoeffer thinks as a theologian about these things. Um, this assassination is just one example of how everything comes together in this book. You have the dramatic background of Nazi Germany. You have the doctrinal rigor, okay, rigor of a top class from a top theologian. You have the, the, the decision to follow Christ. No turning back, no turning back. So you have all these things mixed together and that makes the the subject matter a very compelling read because it's difficult i think to find all these combinations in any one person in the last i don't know 100 years if not a uh, few hundred years so devine integrates all of them to discuss uh, these uh, topics for example church as a community and when you talk about community we are talking about living together living together under God's word. And we see Bonhoeffer did an experiment of living together under God's word. Uh, he has this uh, underground seminary. And uh, later on, talks about community uh, when he is uh, doing prison ministry. And by that, I mean that he is a prisoner and he is doing ministry with his fellow prisoners. So there's a lot of things here. And uh, I would like to say also that uh, Devine is not able to cover all the um, all the, the the trivia perhaps or the interesting elements 
for for the underground seminary for the assassination and so on. He he is more interested in extracting the theological aspects and trying to make sense of it within the the life. All right, so within the life. Uh, now let me just quote um, one of the what Devine writes, so you get a sense again of uh, how he analyzes. I quote, it is right for the Christian prisoner or missionary or exiled uh, apostle to yearn for contact with fellow believers. The absence, not the presence, of such longings will call into question one's relationship to Christ. We were made for one another, and our relationship with Christ includes our divinely created and sustained connection to one another. It is a life-giving, mutually interdependent connection, as described in 1 Corinthians 12. For Bonhoeffer, we misunderstand the constituent, constituent for role of the community for the Christian life if we reduce it to a means for our individual enjoyment of other supposed blessings. Though not simply wrong, it is a distortion to think of the church as mainly the path to the benefits of knowing Christ. End quote. So again, uh, lots of things to think about over here, but... Um, Definitely, uh, ecclesiology is something that Bonhoeffer has taught about, lived through, and uh, it's and what he has produced is analyzed here. And uh, I urge you to consider reading uh, Cost of Discipleship or Life Together or any of the Bonhoeffer books, as uh, as this book, today's book, Devine's uh, book, may actually be a starter pack, a starter pack for you to actually look into the other uh, Bonhoeffer writings. Now the thing is, and this is a strange thing, um, evangelicals reluctantly talk about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and I don't understand why. Sometimes when I read something, it mentions Bonhoeffer. Then some that author would quickly issue a disclaimer, saying uh, we don't believe everything that Bonhoeffer believes. Now, really, there's no need to say that because nobody believes everything that anybody believes. But th there seems to be an effort to distance oneself from Bonhoeffer. There was a time, I remember watching a video, and R.C. Sproul was kind of commending Bonhoeffer, but at the same time issuing that same disclaimer. Bonhoeffer has doctrines that we disagree. When I came to Devine's book, I was hoping that the systematic analysis of Bonhoeffer's theology or topical analysis rather, would answer the question, why are evangelicals so careful around Bonhoeffer? Because this is a question that has been bugging me for a while. Devine writes of the disproportionate welcome Bonhoeffer has received among progressivist, progressivist Christians. And oftentimes uh, in this book, uh, he wants to show how Bonhoeffer would have responded to those um, uh, uh, liberal doctrines. So Devine writes, I quote, Theological liberals and progressives may chaff at the exclusive claims of Christ belonging to ancient orthodox biblical Christian witness. But Bonhoeffer did not. So there's a contrast here uh, between the liberals, the progressives, and what Bonhoeffer actually believes. And, and in another part of the book, Devine writes, against sanguine and optimistic estimations of human nature so prominent within liberal and progressive theologies, Bonhoeffer took a dim view, a dim view of humanity in its natural state. Again, this is a contrast from what liberals believe and what Bonhoeffer uh, truly believed. 
Now, if I may say so, I come away from the book knowing what Bonhoeffer firmly believes, but still not knowing how or why um, the liberals and the progressives uh, welcome Bonhoeffer because I just don't know what they are reading. Why is it that they welcome Bonhoeffer more than evangelicals? I feel that in this book, to find the answer to that, I have to read between the lines uh, because when he uh, asserts, okay, when, when Devine asserts what Bonhoeffer believes, therefore liberals must have thought otherwise. But I still don't know where they're getting it, you see. I don't know how could they misinterpret, would that be the correct word? How could they misinterpret or how could they pick and choose from Bonhoeffer that would lead uh, liberals to see Bonhoeffer as a possible champion? For their ideology or teachings. You see, the thing about this book is, uh, I wish I was led down a garden path. I mean, Devine could have given me a Bonhoeffer quote, then he would give me a liberal take on that quote, make me uneasy, make me feel very disturbed by what I'm reading. Let me wonder and question, if this is true, then imagine the consequences. Does Bonhoeffer really believe in this? And just when the tension is at its breaking point, I want Devine to just release me from my misery. Give me then another quote from Bonhoeffer that not just dismiss that liberal theology or that liberal interpretation, but give me a way to see that there is a, uh, a way to resolve the tension. Okay, there's an interpretation that resolves the tension such that it clarifies um, both uh, passages from Bonhoeffer. So, in short, I'm looking for drama. And to some of you who think that, well, do we really expect drama from a book on theology? And isn't drama a form of ugly showmanship when we should just appreciate the purity of the thought. I quote to you in response, Dorothy Sayers, it is the dogma that is the drama. Now, speaking of drama, a writer who understands the drama of Bonhoeffer's life is Eric McTaxas. He wrote Bonhoeffer, Pastor, Martyr, Prophet, Spy. After finishing that book, I was thinking, why did he not include theologian? Because that would probably be how Bonhoeffer describes himself and how many people would describe Bonhoeffer. But theologian, unfortunately, would just ruin that catchy title. Now, I give McTaxas' book an A for storytelling. It was my very first introduction to the man Bonhoeffer, and that book made me cry and made me love him for his life in full obedience to our God. I would give Devine a B or maybe a high C for storytelling because I think there are opportunities where Devine in the book could have inserted a form of a cliffhanger. He could have paused a moment using the storyteller's uh, style or devices to increase the tension in the, in the, in the pages. But Devine, uh, having said that, he doesn't really have that many pages. Metaxas had a whole book to flesh out the drama. Devine only had one chapter to do so. Uh, 
and he had to compress so many events in in uh, so many important events in Bonhoeffer's life that uh, I, I don't blame him for not being able to to pull it off. But there is better drama, as, as I would say, in, in Metaxas' book, which I'm, I'm focusing on, I'm emphasizing, because if you want an introduction to Bonhoeffer, Devine is probably not the book for you. Uh, it just goes through the life of Bonhoeffer so fast, so quickly, that uh, it just reads as, um, I mean, he does try. I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad book. That's why I'm giving it a B or high C for storytelling. But if you really want something exciting, then you should read Metaxas. The thing that Devine has over Metaxas is that Devine's book is about, it's not about the man so much, but it's about the man's belief. And that belief is our belief. Maybe. <laughs> but if it is our belief, then we must listen. So Devine has given us in this book plenty of substance, plenty of material, well-written, well-argued, well-studied. Okay, But I just wish... There was a little bit more drama so that we can see the weighty consequences expressed as, you know, cliffhangers. So because those cliffhangers that was that we see in Bonhoeffer's past, we can also see in our present life. The consequences of not obeying God and also um, the realities of that we do, if we are to follow Christ, there is indeed a cost and what it means to be in the church, and for suffering, and for hope. So all these things are themes that are ever-present in Bonhoeffer's life and writings, and they are ever-present in ours too. Now, I, I don't know whether it's, uh, it probably is a bit too soon to use the Ocean Gate submersible tragedy as an illustration. For one thing, we don't even know what was the cause of the implosion of the submissible um, as it went down to look at the Titanic uh, shipwreck. But because the, the submissible tragedy is still so vivid, I, I want to do something with it and I will, I will draw some principles so it doesn't rely on the details of the tragedy. The tragedy, I think, uh, is a good illustration of how one man can have a, a rock-solid conviction that his um, process work, the innovation process, that his product is safe. I mean, consider this. To prove that he is, he was in the submersible, going down nearly 4,000 meters under the sea. He himself believed it with all, he, he bet his life on it. But all the talk and all the conviction and assurance and all the gestures and, and all that, in the end, when you face reality, it, it, was a, it, it looks like it was a flawed, untested vehicle. And basically, the laws of physics just doesn't care about conviction, isn't it? Because what is right, what is true, is still true, no matter what you believe. So, here's the thing. If we can consider that when a man can have rock-solid conviction on a particular interpretation of the Bible, and he is sure that his teaching is safe before the, the eyes of the Lord, before the throne of God, and he may be even be willing to 
go into the submissible, go into his teaching and submerge, and, and submerge all the way down to the depths, being tested. The thing is that, does it really work? Are you willing to join him in that trip underwater? And I would say that the story of Bonhoeffer is compelling because his life and his teaching which integrates so well in the sense that his consistency is admirable. And his, his teaching was tested under unimaginable pressure. It's crazy pressure when you really look into the life of Bonhoeffer. That's why chapter one of this book is so important. Otherwise, everybody can talk, but Bonhoeffer is the very few who can actually walk the talk. And he compels us to follow him. Now, let me just, before I end, I want to share with you a passage that provoked uh, much thought in me. Let me quote. Many aspiring scholars pursuing the doctorate chaffed at the ministry requirement that then prevailing at Berlin and found ways to check off the ministry box as quickly and painlessly as possible. Not Bonhoeffer. Once his catechetical students outgrew the Sunday class, Bonhoeffer started a Thursday reading and discussion group in order to maintain his ministry among them. Papers on religious, historical, economic, and political subjects were presented by Bonhoeffer. They enjoyed field trips together, spending hours together, during which these youth, many from Jewish families including several atheists, would speak their minds and challenge their teacher, who patiently answered their questions. Many of these students continued to correspond with Bonhoeffer across the years. Nearly all of these students would die in Hitler's war or in the concentration camps, as would their kind teacher. End quote. So how do you respond to that? All these uh, young youths uh, taught by Bonhoeffer, and then they, most of them ended up dead. There is profound sadness, yes. Um, but these are my reflections. But is it a tragedy? Or is it a triumph? Is this the outcome that we want our Sunday school teachers to aim for? Our Sunday classes to aim for? I mean, does our Sunday classes prepare our youth, children, men and women to die for Christ? If Bonhoeffer's teaching is such that it makes Christ's commands clear, stark clear, and compelling. Do we want more of it? We are sad at the deaths okay, of these uh, few, these uh, students of Bonhoeffer. But I was thinking that imagine if all of Germany at that time were as diligent in their Bible study and as committed to Jesus as Lord. In such a Germany, Hitler might never have been Hitler. The world's most famous spy, if you ask anyone, would probably probably name James Bond. In the just world, Dietrich Bonhoeffer would be more famous than James Bond. Bond is make-believe. Bonhoeffer is real. Bond gets in a car, a machine gun car, and goes against campy, creepy, sometimes cool villains. Bonhoeffer gets on the radio and he calls Hitler a Verführer, a misleader. 
he insults the Hitler on national radio. Bond lives, dies, and comes back on screen. Bonhoeffer lives, dies, and his reward for total obedience is life forevermore. So why does the world know and care about Bond, James Bond, when they really should be listening to Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Indeed, what more must a man do before the world will finally listen? This is a reading and reader's review of Bonhoeffer Speaks Today, Following Jesus at All Costs by Mark Devine, 192 pages, published by BH Books in November 2005. It's available in Amazon Kindle for $7.99 and through Faith Life for free and only free in June. And there are only a few more days left. Another free book is from Logos, and that is R.C. Sproul's The Consequences of Ideas, Understanding the Concepts That Shaped Our World. I won't be in time to release a review this month uh, for this free book. I hope to do so next month. And uh, wouldn't it be terrible if you heard my review and decided that I would really want to read that book, but unfortunately the deal is over. I would have to pay the full price for it. Actually, that might not be such a bad thing. Well, until next time, bye-bye.